Hosea. Hosea, can you see? <clears throat> it says there, Ephraim mixes with the nations. He is a flat cake not turned over. Uh, or else, some of your translations say, he is a half-baked cake. The title of my sermon for this morning is, He Takes the Cake. Father, I pray that we would all learn to be like you and take the cake. Be well-rounded, well-rooted, well-versed, well-conditioned, well-trained, well-equipped, well-prepared individuals and as a church. Because I know that your word says in the book of Revelation, both chapters 2 and 3, you judge churches. Allow us, Lord God, to be better individuals, thereby joining together to be a great church. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Years ago, and I know that our in-house rabbi Lenny always remembers, and some of you that were with me back in those days, and I spoke a sermon, and this is similar to it, but not totally there, uh, on the church that Jesus builds, okay? And we found, Lenny, that the church that Jesus builds is what? A balanced church. And I was studying here on, on, on Hosea chapter 7, verse 8. Even when I got to Rosarito, odd. But Pastor Sonny says, what are you preaching on, on Sunday? I said, my God, it's Monday, Sonny. Give me a break. You know? No, no, no. And I was already prepared. I was getting ready. I, was, I, was, I said, balance. Little did I know that while we were going to be there in Rosarito, really, you need to be here. Well, of course, October 24th. But those of you that are leaders, on the 25th, Pastor Sonny is going to be speaking here, in here, to all the leaders of Victory Outreach uh, in Northern California. We're inviting all of them. And the sermon that I believe he's going to speak, because I, I asked him to, but of course he's my pastor, but I'm pretty sure he's going to speak it. He says, yeah, I probably will. Is the sermon he spoke to the women in Rosarito. Ladies, did he get down? I mean, wow. And I learned throughout this past week that we, Victor Rich, as a ministry, are in the biggest transition ever of our history. Ever, ever, ever. And I've been here 26, going on 26 years. Josie, 36. They've only been around 32. Hallelujah. Uh, but, you know, it seems like it. Uh, Mother Methuselah, hallelujah. Uh, but she's been here a long time. And I, she agrees with me because we, we talked about this. This is the biggest transition period of our entire history. And Pastor Sonny has gone so far to say it's a life or death situation for our ministry. So leaders, and I, I was going to buy the tape. I was going to get the video and show it to all our leaders. But then I said, no, no, I know he's going to do it live here in our church. I want to get the video. Then I want to be able to have it and... and uh, give it an offer to other people as well. But very, very powerful in dealing with transition and balance. Taking our ministry to the other level. Another level. Stretching our bullseye. By and large, our bullseye has always been the inner city. It will always be. But we need to build the bullseye even bigger. We we're talking about having districts in Victory Outreach. And each district having their own rehab where they're going to have licensed, certified counselors. Doctors available. Uh, even some of them giving them some pills to help them. <gasps> That's not Victory Outreach Men's Home. Yeah, it will be. You know, we came to this conclusion. It's, it's, it's a fact. We're still going to have our, our men's homes and our women's homes, but we can have one where people can pay to come in and, and upgrade the level. Have everything really, really nicey-nicey. Uh, you go to our homes, we're not used to nicey-nicey. Uh, we're not used to comfy-comfy. 
But we want to have to upgrade to deal with all spectrum of society to come in because we're experts in, in dealing with rehab in this planet. And we looked at it as such. And this is the analogy that I, I felt. It, it's, it's a different means, but the same ends. You know what the ends is? To get people in ministry, to get people in, inside God's house. But it's a different means, different doors. So we're broadening. Uh, we're not losing the vision, Pastor Sonny said. What did he do? What did he say? We're expanding the vision. The bullseye is expanding. The target area is expanding. So well, that's all that's happening. So you need to be here come that day. But it all had to do with balance. And years ago, getting back to what I said, I didn't forget, Lenny. Uh, I spoke a sermon on the church that Jesus builds. And I used the scripture in Matthew 16, 13, and 14. You don't got to go to there. Where Jesus, you know, tests his disciples. And he says, who do men say that I am? And the disciples say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah, the Bible says. And then, or one of the prophets. And Jesus says, what he's trying to tell us in that scripture is, no, I am all for. See, Jeremiah was a crying prophet. The prophet of love. Uh, Elijah was the prophet of miracles in the name of Jesus. Come out of there. Go back to hell where you belong, demons. That's the way Elijah was. Ah. Uh, then John the Baptist was a socialist kind of a guy. Crying to what came against society and all that. Uh, and feeding the poor. And then one of the prophets stands for, oh, just the word, brother, the word. And some churches, they box themselves in. All they are is love. I grew up in a church, really, in a sense, all they were were love. They had a lot of love. Methodist Church of Santa Paul, a lot of love, 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 love. I love you, I love you, too. I love you, too. I love you more. No, I love you more. You know? Then you have the, the Pentecostals, Elijah, the Baptists ain't got it together. Then you got the Baptists, who are all the word, brother. I want us to turn this morning to the book of, you know, Malachi, Malachi. Uh, all that, you know, you got those kind of people. Uh, and Jesus says, no, 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 I'm all for, I'm balanced. The church that Jesus builds is a balanced church. And that's what, here, is what Hosea is trying to tell, tell us in regards to Ephraim when he singles Ephraim out. Uh, see, balance is a big key thing in Christianity. Individually as well as a whole, as a group, as a church. Uh, balance. Because it makes for a wholesome ministry. Now, in the opening scripture there in Hosea chapter 7, verse 8, the prophet Hosea, okay, he is accusing Ephraim of being only half-baked. See, Ephraim is probably very well-baked, but only on one side, but totally raw on another. You ever beat into a tortilla like that? Uh, crunchy, uh, you know. But then on the other side, it's all, it's all messed up. Uh, you ever, I mean, you ever ate, uh, something looks real, real good. And oh man, you wanna, it looks good on the outside, man, it looks, but then you bite into it and it's still that, we, in Spanish we say masa. You know, the, the, it's not, the, the flour is still mushy, mushy. Ah, uh, you ever see, it's terrible. Uh, it's like water still. Because it's only been half-baked. It's raw. Uh, see, Ephraim, he's rather okay. He's partly all right. Ephraim is partly correct. Uh, Ephraim, you know, he has some good inside of him. But on the other areas in his life, he's raw. Like a lot of Christians. See, Ephraim is not alone. In this condition, Ephraim is not alone. There's so many Ephraims running around our world here today as well. Lacking in wholeness. Lacking in well-roundedness. Okay? 
perhaps you know they're you know they're they're good at at, at certain things, uh, but they're not even close in other things. Are you with me? They're okay in some things, but in other things they're not well rounded. They've concentrated on a few things to the neglect of others, and that's what Pastor Sonny's saying about Victory Ministries. He says, "We we we it's a life or death situation. If we stay concentrating just on on one thing, we're going to lose out." We're losing our novelty. Uh, this is not a Victor Arch message, but I'm bringing it out right now. It's an individual message, but I'm, I'm you know, trying to analogize this with our, our ministry as well. Because Pastor Sonny is right. We've got to broaden uh, our, our, our mentality. We've got to get out of you know, all, all these different things. And God is doing that within our ministry. God is broadening our, 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 you know, our target for ministry. We're not going to concentrate on just the cholos and the cholas and the gangers and all that stuff. No. I mean, hey, I know how to talk that talk and walk that walk, but I, I, I try to refrain from that as much as possible because, hey, you know, God is, I'm a child of God now. And we can minister to all spectrum of society, not just one area or box ourselves in. And we need to understand that because it could be a life or death situation, uh, especially coming from Pastor Sunday's mouth. Uh, but that's what happens to many people. They concentrate on one area, but they neglect others. They gave plenty of attention to evangelism, but they neglected the family. That's what can happen. Somebody, you know, evangelism, evangelism. We're going to hit the streets. We're going to hit. But then we forget about education. We forget about our family, the family life. Very vital, very important. A lot of people can get like that. They take a class on, you know, on, on homiletic, being homiletical, but they omit and they forget about the practical, the application. That's what happens many times. Now, some people are unbalanced or raw, put on one side, but not on the other side. They're unbalanced when it comes to their physical. Ah. Uh, you ever seen those people that are top heavy? Now, I'm not knocking the Hispanic race, but us, some of the, the Hispanics, we, you know, we have a tendency, you go to you know, be in prison with the guys, but then they got toothpicks for legs. I said, my Lord! I mean, you know, if you see the guy walking down the, the, the catwalk, you know, but, then, but then if you hear him, dee, 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 you know, uh, you call it top heavy. <laughs> I better stay behind the pulpit. Uh, what an example. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, then you got other people uh, that are bottom heavy. But doesn't that look odd? It does. While others, okay, they're, uh, uh, you know, they're, how, how would you say, proportionately developed. Right, all the way. They're balanced. See, other people are unbalanced mentally. Some people are unbalanced physically. Others are unbalanced when it comes to the mind. Okay? Mentally. You ever seen some guys or some girls who's when their presence walks into a room, uh, it grips you physically? Ooh, look at, you know, wow. Uh, physically. They're very good looking. But then they talk. That's hecka cool. Lady, you're 33 years old. Uh, heck, cool. Uh, my goodness. Uh, they're nitwits. Their mind doesn't match their body. Really. You want to look at it like that? I'm telling you the truth. Hey! Hijo, <laughs> mama. Uh, it doesn't match your body, not at all. Huh? 
You know who was a lot like that? And this is a confirmation for the sermon this morning. Uh, we, were, we were coming in the car, and my daughter and I, and we were listening to a song called Dinosaur Dance. Uh, and but it was about the dinosaurs. Uh, come on and get on the floor. Come on and do the dinosaurs. I'm like, no, no, no. That was we were listening to a Christian song. Uh, Michael W. Smith, Dinosaur. But dinosaurs were like that. They had huge bodies. Boom. Ah, big old bodies. But pea brains. <laughs> they did. Pea brains. Uh, their mind didn't match their body. They, were, they had no mind. They were half-baked. The dinosaur is extinct because it couldn't think. Uh, little bitty animals out, out, outsmarted it. They're not around today. They're extinct because they couldn't think. They had a terrible mind, half-baked mind. So balance is very important. Balance is so key. Not only in the body, not only in the mind, but also in the heart as well. See, people with too much heart and not enough mind, not enough brains, can and do cause much hurt and much harm within our society and to themselves as well. Did you hear what I said? Now, if you have too much heart, and I talked about it last, a couple of sermons ago, people with a lot of courage, and got a lot of heart, they use drugs. Because they ain't afraid of needles, they ain't afraid of nothing. Rather, you're going to end up going to jail. Yeah, so what? Uh, I was on restriction my whole life. As a kid, I never saw TV. What's a TV? Uh, see, they didn't, they, they didn't grip that. So, so too much courage can be your own worst enemy. You've got to have balance. Both. It's so very vital, so very important. Uh, like I said, the drug abuser. They, 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 they didn't care. Uh, they, they're reckless. And they do anything. They have that so what attitude. Because they got too much courage, too much heart. You become, and listen to the word that I said, you become reckless. You don't care about anything. Ah, so what? That was my motto in the world. What a dumb motto I had. Uh, so what? Pineda, if you, so what? Pineda, if you, so what? Reckless, courage, dumb. You've got to use both your mind uh, and your heart. But you've got to use them both. So very vital, so very important. Uh, now, we may learn to respect people. Now, okay, how about the opposite? How about people that have too much mind and not enough heart? Uh, all they do is their mind. They're was thinkers. Uh, but they ain't got no heart. They ain't got no, they'll use other people to do their own you know, bad schemes and stuff. They're manipulators. Uh, they're, they use their mind. Now, we might learn to respect them, but we will always be unable to really love them. Because they can and do become menaces to society. You know who was like that? Adolf Hitler. The guy was a thinker. I mean, if you look at the dude, I, I, I mean, I've checked him out many times. I, I said to myself, man, if he was in prison with us, poor guy. You know, psh, sh shut up. Really, really. Probably. No way, you know, you know, look at Charles Manson. Little bitty guy. Ah, they got a lot of courage, though. Ah, or, excuse me, no, they got a lot of mind. They know how to use it. Uh, so it, it, it's the total opposite. When you use your mind and you don't use your courage, you don't use your heart, you don't have no love. That's the way Hitler was. He didn't care about other races. Uh, all he cared about was his own. He didn't, he didn't care about, he was, he was rather prejudiced, if you might say that. Uh, because he used his mind, but he didn't use his heart. He didn't have no love. Man, I, I, when I was putting the sermon together and God gave me the illustration of Hitler, I thought, man, this guy could have been lethal against the devil. Though the devil used him big time. He made this world... A lot colder, a lot cooler world. 
Because all he used was his mind and no heart. But if he would have used both, because he was a genius. I mean, he could have planted churches all over the world. I mean, forget about, you know, John Wesley. Forget about Martin Luther, who was a German as well. I mean, it would have been, it would have been, yo, Hitler. I mean, he would have planted churches everywhere because he wanted to conquer the world, but he wanted to do it the lethal way rather than the loving way because he used his mind. And he used our, hey, but we can learn from that. I mean, I thank God that I sit under a man like Pastor Sonny. That guy's real, real sharp, real smart. But he's also got, he's smart and got heart. Uh, he's got them both. Why do you think we're planting churches all over the world? Uh, we're, we're doing what Hitler should have done with a little bit of the finances that they have. But we're doing what we need to do. We're making the world a better place. When you balance, you, you, you live a balanced life. Are you with me? So again, the prophet Hosea, in the scripture that I read there in Hosea 7 verse 8, he's telling us, he's urging you and I, as individuals and also as a church, and as a society as well, okay, to strive to be well-rounded. Strive to be well-rounded. Strive to be balanced. He's telling us it's very important He's urging us to avoid, listen to me, extremes. Don't be reckless. Don't be an extremist. Too much of this, too much heart, or just too much mind. Uh, Be both. Balance your life. Avoid the extremes. Uh, You ever heard the story, the story of Icarus? I think that was his name, Icarus. The guy that, I forgot what his father's name was, but they were stuck in an island. I think it was Crete, that I know. And they wanted to get off the island. They wanted to escape. But they didn't know how to do it. Then one day, Icarus' father, okay, he sees the birds. And he starts tripping out on the big birds. He says, wow, we could do that. Mmm. So he says, I'm gonna, we're going to make some wings here. Uh, and he, he you know, uses, being ingenious, he uses feathers from birds and wax to make big old wings to fly. And he tests it out. They start flying. So finally, when the day comes for them to escape from the island, the father instructs his son. He tells his son this. He says, Icarus, my only begotten. Hallelujah. Ah, you're back, bro. Hallelujah. Ah, He says, Icarus, when we take off, he says, don't fly too low. He says, because our enemies can get us. So you got to be careful. They can pick us off. But don't fly too high because our wings are made out of wax. If we fly too high, too close to the sun, then our wings will melt and will fall. Uh, And he instructs them and he gives them these words. You will go safest in the middle. You will go safest in the middle. And many of us know the story. If not, I'm teaching it to you here this morning. The guide dug it. And he's, woo, I believe I can fly. And he wanted to touch the sky. And because of that, he touched the ground. And he drowned. <laughs> oh my God, that rhymes. Ah. You will go safest. Where? In the middle. And we need to understand that. that, that that's, you know, that, that, that's good uh, uh, counsel. But my friend, what happened here? He finally fell because he refused to steer a balanced course. Are you with me? He, re- he refused to stay in the middle. He refused to steer a course that was balanced. So much of wisdom in life will steer us to balance. So much of wisdom, when you read the accounts of God's Word and any kind of uh, you know, experience in life, it's going to steer us towards harmony to avoid the extremes in life. See, Hosea is counseling us regarding balance. 
Don't be an extreme. Don't be reckless. Take your finances, for instance. Many people become reckless when it comes to money. Uh, see, money is power. Money can be used to help or to hurt. That's what Hitler did. He used money to hurt people. Uh, Victor Albert, we use money to help people. It can be used for both. But Hosea is saying not to be reckless. Don't be careless with your money as well. Okay? Be cool with it. Be careful with it. See, we really have no right to be careless. We have no right to be wasteful when it comes to money. We don't have no right for that. We can become indifferent. Now, you heard the word indifferent when it comes to marriages. People divorce because they become indifferent. When we just spend our money any old way, we become indifferent. Ah, so what, so what, so No, no, no. You've got to use wisdom when it comes to finances. Remember the prodigal son? What was one of his accusations? He had squandered his substance and his money on righteous living. He didn't care. He treated everybody. When I drink, everybody drinks. Dummy. Ah. Ah. Well, you ever heard that saying? In Spanish we say, Cuando yo tomo, todos toman. Tonto. Toma, tonto. <laughs> that means dummy. Because he's, man, he, that, that's Saturday night. He, Monday he's going to wake up. Oh, work. I got to go to work. I done squandered all my savings. On who? I don't know. Reckless when it comes to finance. You got to learn the middle road. Ah, that's what, he, that's what the prodigal done. Uh, that's what he did. You ever, you ever seen a drunk person uh, who just about throws his money away? See, they are what, that word, they're reckless, they are indifferent when it comes to finances. They're careless. See, to, listen to this. To be indifferent towards anything that's valuable and important, that's worthwhile, is just plain dumb. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? When the little boy that had five loaves of bread, you know, fully baked bread and two uh, fishes? Remember, he, what, ha- what did happen at the end? He says, pick up the fragments. Gather the rest that nothing be wasted. Jesus was very e- economically conscious. He understood that. He said, don't waste nothing. Don't be reckless when it comes to your benefits and your blessings. Guard them. Uh, he was guarded against wastefulness. Then, then on the other side, we have those people who won't spend a penny. Even on good things. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're misers. They save everything. Now, they go to the other extreme of the spendthrift. They're half-baked. Now, to find the best illustration of a well-balanced, well-rounded life, we want to look at the life of Jesus before I close. I want to give you five quick things on how we can, you know, look at the life of Jesus and see how his life was balanced, how his life was, was well-rounded. In other words, he showed and he displayed poise in the noise. Now, the first thing that we want to look at is his love or his tenderness. Okay, for God so what? Loved. He loved, and he loved the, the right way. See, the heart of Jesus was big enough for everybody. Every, for God so loved the world, he loved everybody. Jesus' heart was so big that no one was ever beyond his reach. Nobody was ever beyond his love, his tenderness, or his care. Are you with me? That's how big his love was. He had a whole lot of love. Uh, a whole lot of love. Uh, he even loved whoever did that song. Uh, I forgot who it was. Whole lot of love. Ah, yeah, Jesus even loved Led Zeppelin, hallelujah. Because he really had a whole lot of love. Remember when the woman that was caught in adultery, when they brought her to him? What does he do? Does he exclude her? No, he takes her in. Uh, they brought her to his feet. He didn't condemn her. How about the little children? 
But the disciples try to, you know, keep away from Jesus. No, he says, suffer the little children to come unto me. He said, no, no, for such is the kingdom of heaven, because it's love. Uh, I, I, even the woman caught in adultery. What did Jesus do? He opened up a woman's home. Hallelujah. Ah. With five bedrooms, praise God. Hallelujah. Three baths and a big garage. Because God loves the women. Hallelujah. And how about the children's church? Hallelujah. Ah. Getting down with the children's church over here. Because he's got a whole lot of love. Ah. Christ would treat everybody lovingly and tenderly. But. Balance. But by the same token. While Jesus was, you know, every bit tender. He was not at all soft. He wasn't mushy. He wasn't mushy. He wasn't raw. It wasn't just half-baked, like Hosea 7, 8 says. No, not at all. It wasn't soft. His love was not just all mush. While Jesus commended and he lauded a number of people, there was other people he rebuked. He rebuked them. Yes, he loved. But love has many faces. One of them is you've got to be firm and stern sometimes. You've got to do that. While he approved some people, he labeled others. He labeled other people. While Jesus' words were usually for the better, he had some words that were really bitter. They were bitter. Most of his words were better, but some of his words were bitter. He calls some people, you generation of vipers. That's what he says there. He says, they, they, they felt that they had, no, you know, he tells them, you generation of vipers, who he felt had no way in hell of escaping the fires of hell. You got to figure that one out. Uh, he says, you have no way in hell of escaping the fires of hell. Now, that's a heavy accusation. That's a heavy, you know, statement coming from Jesus. Uh, see, yes, Jesus could be very loving and tender, but he could also be, you know, as, as firm as heaven itself. He'd be firm. <clears throat> no way. I'll keep out of Jesus. Really? That's it, right here. Here I stand, I can do no more. But Jesus, Jesus loves the little children. Jesus can get firm as well. Secondly, okay, not only was he tender and also firm, Secondly, Jesus was a man of immense self-control. Now, there's some people that they pride themselves in, in being, you know, how would you say, hot-tempered. No-nonsense type of people. They're always, you know, giving somebody a piece of their mind they can't afford to give away. You ever seen those people? Well, you know what? I say it and that's the way it goes. Let the chips fall where they may. And if you got a chip, huh. Uh, you ever people like that? Yes, you have. Ah. Uh, but Christ was, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Christ was not at all like that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. See, Jesus was power under control. We study that word in the Greek, it's tapenos. It's, it's like a horse, uh, meek, power under control. A horse is powerful. But you can trust it. You can depend upon it because it's been broken. It's both power and meekness. Do you have First Peter chapter 2, verse 23? It says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who, judge, who judges justly. In other words, when they reviled him, he reviled not back again, the King James Version says. He was power under control. And yet again, Christ would often show and display a hot, indignant heart. Look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Remember, he was power under control. But at times, he wouldn't fool around. 
Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Do you have it? Mark 3, verse 1. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Everybody. Then Jesus asked them. He asked the Pharisees, the people there, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in what? Anger. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. See, Jesus was mad and angry at the Pharisees over their petty little rules. Dumb little idiosyncrasies. Dumb little things. Uh, but he got angry. Yes, he was loving, but he was also angry. He had self-control, but at times when he had to get down, he got down. Uh, many times I've said before when it comes to church ministry, I like the Holy Spirit to do, do the ministry. Let him correct you. We, what do we, when our pastor's great, suggest, we suggest you follow the Bible. But once you start getting out of place, you're not going to go to the pastor's place. You're going to go to the pastor's office. Could I see you in my office, please? No, 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 no. Huh? But hey, you got to do those things sometimes. Uh, my wife spoke a sermon many years ago that God speaks through His Word. God speaks through His leaders. He speaks through His Spirit. But if you don't listen to those three, He speaks one other way. Circumstances. Where are you going, pastor's office? Uh, hey, things got to get done. On earth as it is in heaven. See, the anger of Jesus, okay... It burned when he saw injustice being done, not to himself, but to others. That's when he would get mad. He could take it when they talked about him. But when they talked about us, when they did things to others, he got indignant. Ah, when the strong took advantage of the weak, when only might made right, then Jesus got hot. Thirdly, Jesus was a deeply serious and earnest kind of an individual. He was serious, very solemn, very earnest, okay? Bible says that in the last days, when he was getting ready to go to the cross, people tried to stop him. No, stay here with us. Jesus. Don't go, Jesus. Stay here. The Bible says he resolutely turned his face like a flint to Jerusalem. He says, I must needs go to Jerusalem. He was very somber. He was very serious. No, no. He was serious about his business. Uh, a Savior's got to do what a Savior's got to do. Uh, that's what he said. Got to go do it, bro. Got to go die to self. See, his life was dead set. His face was dead set. Serious, unmovable. Then there were times when Jesus wept. The Bible says Jesus wept. He was serious, somber, solemn. Thus, my friends, somebody could maybe think that Jesus never laughed. He never enjoyed his life. Think again. Wrong again. Do you think that Jesus could hang out with the likes of Peter, James, and John, and not have a good time? Listen, if Jesus was here, he'd be living at the Timothy Hall. Do you think you could kick it with Jesus and always be? No! Ah, 
I mean, hanging with Cooper was, was nothing like hanging with Mr. Jesus. Yeah, you think it was all, you think it'd be boring kicking it with Jesus? No way! That's why some people look at the Victor Irish kind of guys and they're like, are they ministers? Yeah, we know the Bible. We're hanging with Jesus. I mean, I dig hanging with Jesus. I mean, when I was out in the world, when I was in jail, just, yeah, I used to be in jail. When I, I mean, I used to hang with the guys that, yeah, we, and this is way better than that. I dig hanging with Jesus. Whoo, man. Ah, you come to a victory service, I guarantee you're going to have a good time. Uh, why? Because we're giving you a piece of heaven. This is what, that's what a service should be. We've studied that before. Church should be a piece of heaven. It shouldn't be, uh, bringing in the sheaves. Man, at least change it, taking out the sheaves. Do something, you know. That was bringing them in. Take them out. <laughs> uh, nah. When life is not boring. It's being a, I, it, it gets to me. Demas Shakarian, who's gone under heaven, who started the Full Gospel Business Fellowship, he wrote a book called Christians Are the Happiest People on Earth. What's happening? Uh, read our bulletin. There were always things happening. Look what's happening. Uh, my God. I mean, Jesus. Every parable, when you read some of his parables, you know what they are? They're, they're like, they're sarcastic. They're funny. Talking about a beam and a toothpick in a person's eye. That's funny. That's, that, that's funny. Uh, I mean, Jesus was too much. He was poking fun. And he knew who to poke fun at and where to poke fun at. I mean, he poked fun at the Pharisees. Uh, he said, the Pharisees don't see fair. Because uh, they got a big old beam uh, in their eye. And they're trying to mess with people with toothpicks. That's funny. I mean, that's funny. Uh, how, about, how about a cup and a saucer? I mean, I can imagine when Jesus taught about, you know, you, you people here, you're clean on the outside, but you're dirty on the inside. I can imagine that night at the Timothy home with Jesus. They must have really cut it up. Said, hey, hey, Holmes, look, 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 look at it. Look at this is funny. Look, look, look. Hey, drink this, hey. Ah-ha! Look at look, 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 look. That's three-week-old coffee. Ah-ha! But we wash the outside. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> are you with me? Yeah. Are you with Jesus? Yeah. See, balance. Yes, we can be serious and somber. Jesus was. But you're going to have a good time in the Lord. My God. Uh, I mean, I, I know people don't want to come to a church that's all, you know, all boring and stuff. Because Jesus is not boring and stuff. Um, so Christ was serious. But he was also, you know, he wasn't half-baked. Fourthly, Jesus was balanced as an idealist and as a realist. In other words, he was a dreamer. He, he had vision. He had, he had a lot of vision. Uh, but he was both an idealist and a realist. For God so loved the what? And then he says, go ye into all the... See, Jesus one day, about 30 years old, he comes home and he closes up his carpenter shop. Close, no more. And he proceeds to go out to conquer the world. Wow! That's a huge, huge task. He was a visionary, a great dreamer. And still, my friend, he had his feet on the ground. He didn't go on and say, I'm going to conquer the world. No, he didn't do that. He didn't brag or boast. No. Modesty makes for good company. And while he was a great dreamer, he was also quite a realist. Jesus was very practical in his thinking and in his actions. While one day he's preaching to thousands, the next day he's ministering to just one. He's very practical. Yes, he was going to conquer the world, but he, he did it one at a time at times as well. He was concerned with one person. He was very well balanced. He was not half-baked. Uh, he took the cake. That's the title of my sermon. 
He took the cake. Uh, he was a whole. He was the whole package. Then fifth and lastly, Jesus loved life like no other. He loved life. He had a zest and a zeal for life. So much so that he would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He loved life. See, there's so many incidents within Scripture, when you read them, when people came to Jesus and they asked him about life. Why did they come to him and ask him about life? Because he was life incarnate. He, had a, he knew what life was all about. Ah, man, even at the end of his rather short life, he says, nobody takes my life. He says, I give it up freely, willingly. Nobody comes and takes my life. I give it up. He knew all about life. And when he says that scripture, there's the balance. And that while he loved life, he was also willing to give up his life. He was willing to give it up. He didn't just have half a life, he had a whole life. And in life you've got to be willing to die. Somebody once said, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. I'll repeat that because that's a good one. You ain't ready to live until you're ready to die. He'd made, he knew where he was going. Uh, and why did he give up his life? That we might have life. And life in abundance. Uh, and you and I can learn a few things. And we've covered five here about Jesus and the balanced life that he lived. For he that chooses to keep his life will lose it. But he that loses his life in Christ, in the things of God, shall find it. You will go safest in the middle. Look at Romans 3.26 and I'm done. Very important scripture. Romans 3.26. Jesus was a well-rounded man. Wholesome, total, complete. And I've chosen to end a sermon like this with this scripture here. Because we as individuals can learn from the life of Christ. Romans 3.26. This, I would dare say, is one of the most important verses in all the Bible. Those of you that were with me when we covered the book of Romans verse by verse, you'll remember this. Do you have it? Romans 3.26 says that he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time. So as to be both just and justifier to those who have faith in Jesus. Now you might not get a lot of that scripture, but I'm going to tell it to you in one minute and then we're going to close. Jesus was able to be both. Balanced. He's able to be both what? Just and what? Justifier. Just means judge. Which means when you come before him, and if you have not accepted him, and if you die in your sins, he can send you to hell. Did you hear me? Because he's just. He can, he, he's just. He, he gave you every chance. He gave you opportunity to accept, to accept him. Now he's going to send you to hell, and he's not going to cry. Because nobody sends, Jesus doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves to hell. Did you hear me? We send ourselves to hell. So he can be just. Then he can also be justifier. He can also be your savior. He can be your mediator. He can be both. He's balanced. He can be judge or he can be your lawyer. He can be your attorney. But the choice is yours. Huh? Now, now, now you take the cake. Now it's up to you what you want. Do you want him to be your judge on judgment day? Or do you want him to be your justice? Because he can do both. When he died on the cross and died for our sins, that enabled him to be not only the judge... That's why everybody was waiting in hell and in Hades until he died on the cross. He says, now I can be your justifier. I can be your savior. But the choice is yours. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Jesus can take on two roles. But the choice is yours. Do you want him to justify you? Make you right, righteous, every with whole? 
or he can be your judge. And should something happen to you and you die in your sins, you will justly go to hell. And you'll probably even live a miserable life here on earth when you don't have Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, yes, I want to pray for those that their life is out of whack and it's not balanced like it should be. But I want to pray first and foremost for those who need to get right with God. Right now, He would just be your judge. But you want Him to be your justifier. You want to get right with God. Well, because of what Christ did on the cross, I said it earlier, you can get right with God. He can be your justifier. I find no fault in you. You can take the king. You can become wholesome. Is there a hit his body? Never call the Spirit of God moving in ministry. You say, Brother Steve, I need forgiveness of sins. And I want to get right with God here this morning. While the love of God is all over this place. Tugging at your heart. Lovingly. You say, I want to accept the love of God into my life once again. I want to, I want to live for God like I should. And I need forgiveness of sins. If that's you, I want to ask you very quickly to stand to your feet right there where you're at. Quickly stand to your feet. You need forgiveness of sins. Many are standing, but I believe there's more. We're going to get right this morning with God. I've said it so many hundreds of times. There's no better feeling in all the world than to know that you're right with God. That's my one of my jobs. Part of my resume and job description to, to get people right with God. What a beautiful, beautiful job that I have. Anyone else, this is my last call. You need to get right with God. You haven't stood up yet, but you want to do so now. I want to ask you very quickly, right there where you are, to stand on your feet. Then we're going to pray with you. Anyone else, this is my last call. You need to get right with God. Quickly stand on your feet if you haven't done so yet. Again, I always wait at altar calls. Because I believe in it. Anyone else, this is my last call. Many more are still standing, but I'm going to wait a few more moments. It can mean an eternity. For you and I. Anyone else? This is my last call that we're going to pray. That's it. Quickly stand if you need forgiveness of sins that we're going to pray. Anyone else? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts in this room. Now I'm going to ask those who are standing to bow your heads right there where you're at and repeat this prayer after me right there. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of all my sins. Give me the power to say yes to you, to walk in your spirit to walk in your spirit to talk in your spirit and to say no to sin save my soul cleanse me while unrighteousness I give my life to you in Jesus name Amen as you remain standing now I want to make another altar call as those that are still remaining standing there you say I'm not living the balanced life that I should and I want you to pray for me brother Steve I need to be wholesome I don't want to be half baked if that's you and God ministered to your life through the sermon. I, I'm going to ask you also to stand to your feet right there. Right there where you're at and join these that are here. Quickly stand to your feet. The word of God ministered to you here and challenged you to live that balanced, wholesome life. To take the cake. Because Jesus took the cake whole. He was not half-baked. He said, I'm half-baked in this area, in that area of my life. And I need for you to pray for me, Brother Steve. Quickly stand to your feet right there where you're at. Anyone else? This is my last call before we pray. Now I'm going to ask those that are standing to raise your hands upward. Surrender to God. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Jesus, I pray for everyone here that is standing. Not just half-baked. Balanced. 
love like Jeremiah. Pentecostal like Elijah. Full of the Holy Ghost. Lord God, wise and social like John the Baptist. Knowledgeable like John the Baptist. Then also educated into your word like one of the prophets. Let us be well-rounded in all areas of life individually and also as a church. Let us get into Vossum and the module classes. Let us get into education. Let us read those books in the leadership classes. Let us become a church, Lord God, that would be, Lord God, able to rightly divide the word of God. Not ashamed of anything, but able to be trained in your word and your ways. In your word and your ways. And thank you, Lord, for being both just and justifier. We ask it all in your name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me now. We're going to sing one song once. As we do, the second time you're, you're able to. for the upcoming event. We done run out. We're hitting it hard. And this is all about love, okay? And I'm going to ask you to respond if you're able to. But we, you know, and I asked him, can we make more flyers? And he told me the amount. And I go, ooh. And I could see the look in his eye. I said, this brother needs some help. Uh, and so right now we're going to give, but not really just to our ministry, but to his ministry, in that we need to make more. I, I told somebody, I went and told somebody, I said, no, we need to have some class here. And I know that he's going through it financially, which he is. I mean, you have Fred Hammond big bucks and all the things that he's doing so I, I told our guys I said listen we're going to buy the posters we want to contribute that to, to, to his ministry and I want to be a part of what he's doing I believe God's going to really move in a special way so what I want us to do is we need to pick up some finances for the posters and also to help cover shotgun shotgun had no more money and many times in the past shotgun has bailed our church out and if you deal with our books you know that because there's been times when they've had money and we haven't hmm uh, but they did it willingly. Uh, they've always done it willingly. But this time, so we need to take care of some props and things. We want to put our best foot forward at the Cal Palace. But first of all, we need to pick up enough finances to make some more of these posters, okay? And so I'm going to ask you if you can contribute. Uh, we're going to do the song one more time. I'm going to have two of the people here come and we're going to pick up a love offering to help out Mario Murillo Ministries. This is not for us. But in giving you, get. Hallelujah. Plus, many souls are going to get saved. And we have two good churches in Victor Outreach, San Francisco. That people can be able to attend as well. Praise God. Father, I pray that we would respond in love. Be well-balanced Christians here. Lord God, not only think about our church. And Lord, do you, you know we have a lot of needs right now. Right now we're giving, Lord God, yes, to augment it, compliment the place shotgun because we're going to make those posters. But Mario Murillo Ministries, Lord, what a man of faith that he's branched out in. But Lord, I saw the hurt in his eye. 
And he wanted, Lord God, to give us a... He wanted to give us. I could see it in his heart, but... And he did. He said how he wanted to. And he gave the amount. And he gave the figure. But Lord, we want to bless him. Let him know that there's other ministries. Oh God, and there are many, but also Victory Outreach here in Hayward are standing with him. Bless the giver 3600 fold and let this money be increased. We ask it all in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. We're going to ask you to bring your love offering to the front. We're going to sing this song one more time.